Welcome back to another Untitled Movie Review. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside he's allergic to tomatoes, but he's tomato meter approved, Eric Marchin. Hello, Matt Rohrbeck. I'd like to play a game. You Do you want to do a review? <laughs> you've spent the last several weeks watching nothing but Saw movies when your co-host has given you a list of films that you could watch, international cinema, and some of the greatest movies ever made. But you chose to watch films with Tobin Bell and Costas Mandalore. Now you must Mandalorian pay. himself. Uh, yes, today we are reviewing Darren Lynn Bowsman's Spiral from the Book of Saw, starring Chris Rock, Max Minghella, uh, Marisol Nichols, Samuel L. Jackson, uh, and more. Uh, it is now playing in cinemas if they are open in your area, uh, as well as it will be on premium VOD on June the 1st, 2021. So this new, it's I think it was like a three-week window, 21 days, I believe. Uh, so pretty quick. Uh, you can now watch it at home. Eric, you are correct. I did watch every Saw movie oh, in the last couple of weeks. <laughs> every single one. Um, and if people aren't familiar with uh, my history of the Saw movies, um, I was obsessed with the first couple Saw movies uh, when I was a, a, a teen. Um, just that first movie, um, as what, 2001 it came out? No, it, was, that, it had to be no, 2004, right? 2004 yeah. i think you're right um 2004 um i was oh there's the dogs they're not they're not saw fans no they're not um, they're already telling you why <laughs> did you spend the last few weeks watching those movies i just remember that first one playing midnight madness and really wishing um i went uh to that and then seeing that first movie i don't even know if i saw it in theaters but i remember um watching the dvd of it and owning that dvd with a clear case i think was or maybe that was saw too but uh and then just that ending just blew my fucking mind and i um i i really i genuinely like love the first movie and uh yeah 2004 you're right um so as a 15 year old boy um loved the original saw movie uh was obsessed with saw two and three loved the franchise and then the movies go off of a cliff uh, from there, just rewatch them so um, I can confirm that they still are terrible and they go off a cliff after number two. Uh, even the third one is not good, and the first two aren't even good. But I mean, again, there's continuity I have though in, in the first three, right? Three, yeah, that's what I mean. Like the first three are trying to st- tell the story of the jigsaw killer. of one after John that, Kramer, played yeah, by John- Thespian <laughs> Tobin Bell. Yes, exactly. And I appreciate those three for that. And um, my, while they're not great movies, that first one still very nostalgic to me, obviously launched the career of James Wan, who has gone on to be a superstar director of, uh, you know, the he is the baby daddy of the Saw franchise and the Conjuring franchise, which we will have a review for the new Conjuring movie this week as well. It's a Wan winning um, week. It is a Wan winning week. And as well as directing a Fast and Furious movie, um, uh, uh, as well, well as Insidious, a Star Trek is, is, movie as and, well, right? Like, I mean, that's another yeah. franchise that keeps going. That you know is is basically taking both Saw and Insidious take a very similar approach and sort of keeping the budgets low uh, and the production sort of to a minimum, and then you know you get um, sort of you you get a reburst in sort of you know like the 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 budget coming back to you, and then also. Um, you know, the idea that 
you can go on and do other stuff. And, and James Wan has. I mean, he he did also with Aquaman. Yeah, and, I mean, he's yeah. had a couple failures in terms of like not being able to start franchises with with you know Dead Silence and Death Sentence. But um, you know, it, you're not going to knock them all out. Of the no, 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 no. You're definitely not. And but but Saw is is fascinating in terms of its elasticity because of it being something that's gone on for you know right when it came out in in 2004 theatrically it it really didn't stop every year there was a new saw movie you know that's that's yeah. unheard of in, in in a lot of ways with the exception of you know the paranormal activity movies kind of coming in a couple of years later uh for 2006 and sort of continuing where it was like every other year it was like okay you're either getting a saw movie or you're getting a paranormal activity movie or, or both, both. <laughs> um and both of them are series where you know you're you're Less is more, or you're trying to do them as cheaply as possible, and then they get worse and worse as you go on because you're just trying to make a quick buck. And yeah, you know, the worst parts of these movies end up becoming the most glorified in those four through seven, and then Jigsaw with the Spearig brothers coming in being the eighth. Uh, of the franchise which was that um, was them trying to kind of reboot it a little bit and sort of create something new within the mythology and you can look at like i mean it's not just paranormal activity or jigsaw or the saw franchise you i mean you can look at like you know the nightmare on elm street franchise you can look at friday the 13th and kind of see like okay the the formula is set in the first few films of like okay why do people like these movies well you know for for the case of saw like Friday the 13th, it's for the kills, the gruesome sort of over the top violence, you know, whether it be a slasher taking out teenagers or a guy setting up traps based on his philosophy and, you know, seeing somebody who quote unquote is in the wrong suffer for what they've done in the past, you know, as retribution yeah. and and revenge. Um, and that's kind of what they were known for. But as a series progresses, usually you kind of sort of hone in on the weird things that are in them, you know, whether or not like it goes off the deep end. And sometimes part of the fun is, you know, with these kind of franchises is finding the moment where the series jumps the shark, you know, it's like, Oh, is this like the moment where it totally goes off the rails and like, it's kind of interesting or does it try to reboot itself within the franchise and do something new where it's like with Friday the 13th part six is when they finally establish that Jason is, you know, a supernatural being. They never, being, they never yeah. did that with the saw movies but i feel like jigsaw was taking okay you have the spirit brothers the guys who did you know uh, uh daywalkers and undead and in you know are kind of considered quote unquote a uh sort of step above maybe darren lynn bozeman uh or you know some of the other people that kind of took over the franchise as it, as it went on the editors or yeah. special effects guys Which, or whatever again, that's yeah. not uncommon as well the bond franchise is very much known for that where you know yeah. a lot of the directors are you know started off as editors you know in, in the series so it's somebody just basically sort of taking the hand-me-downs um yeah where you know you look at at those other series they they tend to do something different where Jigsaw, I feel like was trying to take the mythology that was created for the other films and maybe quote unquote, the word that we don't like using elevate it in some way, but it kind of is just, even then it just ends up being movie. the same. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it is better than most of the other movies. Cause you mentioned that jump the shark moment. And I think they, they back themselves. We'll get into spiral in a second. Everyone. I think there's, but I like, think it's we, good like, to talk about the context yeah. of this, especially because you're a trash person. Yeah, I'm a trash monster for sure. Um, and these movies are are trash. And like that, they back themselves into a corner with the whole giving, you know, John Kramer cancer and then having to kill him in the third movie because like their their hands were in this 
cuffed or chained or whatever you want their to say. Their hands were tied um, and they had to sever yeah. them, but they decided not to and they died in the yeah, trap. Yeah, and then then they just tried to keep figuring out ways to bring, you know, Tobin Bell back and, and do more flashbacks and build out his history. And, and then the cliche or the joke of the thing kept being, all right, that twist was what everyone remembered from that first movie. And for me, I like the puzzle nature or the escape room nature. And weirdly enough, that's another franchise that's kind of imitating Saw now, which is like the Tomb Raider Uncharted kind of, you know, one imitates the other and then imitates the other. But that's the part that I liked about the Saw movies was kind of like Jigsaw setting up the game, not necessarily the traps themselves or the violence. And then the movies as they go on kept going, okay, well, you know, Amanda's Jigsaw's apprentice. Okay, now it's uh, uh, the Mandalorian is is uh, Jigsaw's apprentice, and then you're like, oh, it's the doc. It's it's the horrible Carrie Elways in the last one, <laughs> and then you're like, in even the Carrie Elways thing, um, it just feels so out of left field, and just feels like a way of going, well, this is the lost last Saw movie. Let's tie it back to the original one and bring back the guy from the first movie, and like it just ends up becoming comical of like, well, you know, he actually had another secret apprentice, which was the guy in jigsaw and jigsaw is actually 10 years later but showing the first game that john kramer ever did and it just ends up being like the whole thing is just super silly and like why as a 15 year old and again i'm not a big horror guy and then that's probably even worse why this is the horror franchise that i've latched on to um and i just really i remember that twist being like that thing of like a gotcha moment where I'm like that made that movie. And then they kept trying to have to outdo themselves and it ends up weirdly becoming more and more predictable because they just kept doing the secret apprentice thing. And <laughs> which sounds like a Donald Trump show or something. Or it but sounds like, like the sorcerer's uh, apprentice with Nicholas yeah. cage. Right. <laughs> So, and then they focus so much on the gore and the traps themselves that it ends up just being like the movies were always gross and disgusting, but that first movie really doesn't have that much violence in it. It's, it's like, it it, it is, but it's not, it's gruesome, but it's not like the torture porn elements that they get into. Like I know Saw and Hostel came out at around the same time. Yeah, Hostel was the next year or 2005 and it's almost like Hostel kind of upped the ante in terms of like the practical effects. And then Saw had to do that in, you know, each movie had to get gorier and gorier. And then that's not really what I was going to these movies for. I was trying, I liked, and I know Eric, you're not a fan and and these movies aren't good. And, and you can say like, they're not clever or they're not like, but that first movie I really think is an independent horror movie was, and even the second movie watching it, I weirdly like complimented, um, Donnie Wahlberg. And I'm like, he's actually better than like, you know, Carrie Elways or even Lay Winnell in the in the first one, but like um, the second movie I still like is them in this like puzzle house, right? And going into the different rooms and all of them together, and like the second movie I really enjoy for that. And then the movies kind of go off of a cliff and are just awful. Like three, four, five, six, and seven are just horrible and they get worse and worse and then six ends up being slightly better because again what i'm going to talk about in this movie six feels like it at least was trying to have some sort of commentary even if like it's not very good commentary which is something we'll talk about in spiral or it's not that it's not good commentary it's just very thin um thin skinned if you will and and jigsaw's thesis of like 
cherish your life. If you're a bad person, I might put you in one of my traps. Or even if you're not a bad person, but you're just not cherishing cherishing your life to its fullest. Like it, it is pretty thin. And there's no at flaws least with there, Saw. Man. His his philosophy no, no, is sound. All. It's just sound. It's just like all of these movies. Uh, the logic in all of them. Um, and of how this guy with cancer, like they're like also like, wait, how would this guy have made all these traps? Oh shit. <laughs> they're like, we better give them people who can actually do And this isn't stuff. he already kind um, of like being a hypocrite in, in say, doing this because he himself isn't enjoying his own life that he has to torture others? Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. You're not wrong. So anyways, the sixth movie that deals with like the insurance companies and like, and that kind of shit, at least it feels like it's trying to actually say something that's not just so broad. Um, and then you get into Jigsaw, um, which just felt weirdly, like you said, it's trying to reboot it, but isn't because it's both a prequel and a sequel. And it's just like, that's what the twist in that movie was. And then you're like, where do you even go from here? You space. just have this other, you go to space. like this guy. I mean, I'm, I'm here for jigsaw X. Are you kidding me? Um, and then like, uh, I, anyways, they're, they're really bad movies, but I just weirdly have nostalgia goggles for those first two. And I don't think jigsaw, the spirit brothers one is a, I think it's obviously much better than the rest of them that I, I talk about. And then spiral we'll get into in a sec. Um, but anyways, that's my history of the saw franchise. And it's always been weirdly that thing that I, I don't, I defend those first two movies, but I can't defend any of the others. And it was really tough to get through you know, four through seven. Um, and, uh, but I'm glad I did it before this cause it kind of puts things in perspective and I can really kind of, um, uh, you know, this movie is essentially inspired by the saw franchise more than anything. It's not necessarily like part of the, you know, story or anything, but it, it, it is an interesting thing of what it seems like Chris Rock going as a fan going, Hey, I have an idea for something that could be kind of like much like he was inspired by it and then puts that into the, the story of this. And, um, you know, what? I, I will get into it in a sec, but, um, I kind of, uh, I kind of dug this a little bit and I'm a trash person. It's, you know, I mean, it's not a, it's not a very good movie, but it is a step above. And, and I mean, I'm sure you'll attest to this as we review the film compared to a lot of the other entries within the series, because again, you have, you know, people, I'm not saying that Chris Rock's a great actor because he's not, and you can tell that there are some limitations with his performance, even in, in this, but he seems like a cut above a lot of the other actors that are kind of, Oh, everyone the franchise, in franchise. Like, yeah. Right. And same thing with Samuel L. Jackson. Um, even though he's not in it really that much, which I was kind of surprised, no. you know, but maybe, maybe not. We'll, we'll go into that as well. Um, but yeah, I can see like Chris Rock being a fan of it, but I was kind of hoping that Chris Rock would bring not like something like intelligence or something to the, 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 the film, but like maybe be a little bit more clever with the material, but ultimately, you know, it is a loose sort of, you know, within the world of Saw and taking a concept that is familiar, you know, the traps, jigsaw type killer, the game, the game yeah. things like that. But you could sort of, you know, retcon this the way that a lot of those movies have been retconned with the flashbacks to keep John Kramer in the story in some way or form, shape or form. Um, with this, it kind of feels like, okay, I know exactly the movie he is thinking he wants to compare this to in terms of, of horror films, but I can't really talk about that without giving anything away spoiler wise. But I know, like 
after having watched this movie, I I knew what the pitch was to Lionsgate for for them to do this in terms of like what he was thinking in his head. Because after you know with Jordan Peele doing Get Out, it's like okay, like what com- what comedian is going to take on like you know what franchise? Are we going to get Kevin Hart doing you know his version of Phantasm or something like that? Like how ridiculous <laughs> and over the top that would be. But it, it kind of felt that way when, when Chris Rock w- was announced to do it. And then you know I, I actually have a professor that worked on this film uh, who worked as a gaffer on it and he sent me a couple photos because he knows i don't like the franchise of um uh, of what the working title was which was the organ donor and i thought automatically i knew what the plot was and i think that you know matt and i should sit down one weekend and write a saw movie because it's all you really need you don't even need a weekend you need a day you know just write it on a a, a, you know a cocktail napkin um yeah was the idea that it was going to do what you know for uh, Jason goes to hell where it's like a body part of Jason you know infecting other people almost like an invasion of the body going to the supernatural because that's yeah. the one thing they haven't really done no and yeah. and you would think that like a series like that it would be inevitable because most franchises when it comes to horror usually they go that route eventually if they're not already there at the beginning because you want to bring back the killer because you had to get rid of him at some yeah and especially when you kind of paint yourself into a corner with john kramer so early on where it's like we gave him cancer how long can we keep him going it's like well we still want to get tobin bell in also what was what was john kramer doing having a kid at his age i I don't know (laughs) i i have no idea but but again it's all retconning right so it's like the idea of okay well how how can we make this logic work which there's no logic in it but in order to fit the puzzle pieces together you know we have to think like okay well we'll have to go back to this other movie and then do a flashback and include you know this scene that kind of connects you know this movie together or that movie together to reveal a twist or a new apprentice or you know something that kind of you know keeps the series going it's it is like a weird ponzi scheme in a lot of ways where it's just like it builds upon the lie it's already created to the point where it just has to keep on lying and ordering and retconning in order to keep going and it just becomes dumber and dumber not unlike the fast and furious movies but i feel like they again you know juan going over to those films but like they're again a cut above or at least kind of know that how ridiculous they are where i feel like there is some sort of intention here to make a entertaining horror movie and then on top of that you know you get the sort of fast-paced kinetic editing that kind of is is jarring it is toned down i will give it it is this movie i guess we can get into it now spiral basically feels like again you know we we've had some time between the original i won't even include jigsaw but like the original franchise to this movie and spiral from the book of saw automatically in that title is saying okay well it's not going to be you know your classic saw movie the jig it's more a spin-off than anything yeah yeah spin-off from the book of saw uh (laughs) yeah so the jig is up for corrupt cops in the same fictional city uh that john kramer uh would trap just toronto yeah (laughs) with with some uh philly uh exterior shots um And so you have Chris Rock's detective, Ezekiel Zeke Banks, uh, who is kind of looked down upon in his 
precinct in his station because he turned in uh, a corrupt cop 12 years ago and you get some of the most amazingly awful flashbacks not just in terms <laughs> of like the the filter and looking kind of like it's completely saturated but when it comes to facial hair in those flashbacks it's phenomenal we get that everyone has to get a goatee, goatee or a mustache. mustache that looks like it was put yeah. on in the makeup truck like five <laughs> minutes before it's shooting like steve harvey <laughs> <laughs> no but steve Mar- steve harvey's doesn't look like it's ever going to fall off yeah like, i was I, yeah. I was thinking to myself oh my god is is like the glue or or whatever on sam jackson's mustache like is it gonna fall off and they're just gonna keep going and just like because they can't they can't commit more time to to shooting certain scenes and so rock's character is looked down upon within the rest of you know his precinct precinct and 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 at that point we get you know this jigsaw killer who's targeting corrupt cops and he is the one that is going to have to solve it but he's also teamed up with a new uh rookie officer uh detective in training played by max Minghella, and sort of he's showing him the rope there's a lot of misogynistic conversations about you know um relationships because rock's character is also just um having been recently divorced and he doesn't see his kid and you think that's going to play like a bit of a bigger subplot because you're introduced in one scene to chris rock's ex in the film and then that goes nowhere with anything (laughs) but you think that it is and i actually was kind of grateful for that because that probably would have added on like another 10 minutes or that would have been like you were thinking like okay well you know maybe the twist is that he's not you know a, a good person after all or something like that including like his family life um so you know Cop after cop goes missing and they end up getting into these, you know, classic traps, but there's not as many as, as we mentioned, um, it keeps them to a minimum. They're still grotesque, especially the, 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 oh, the totally, first one yeah. with poor Boz, which I kept laughing every time we were like rocks, like f- deep friendship with Boz is, is it, you know, making this case so personal, um, is, is disgusting and what you'd expect from a Saw movie, but it's more of a police procedural and keeping it from the point of view of sort of the investigation than it is, you know, the victims trapped within this diabolical plot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I'm totally with you. And um, like I said before, I, I kind of weirdly dug it as this weird kind of spinoff of a Saw franchise. And, and I tweeted out being like, you know what, I appreciate this movie because I think it is leaps and bounds better than the majority of the franchise, maybe minus than one and two, just because I have that kind of nostalgic kind of uh, goggles on for those first two movies. But this is probably the best made Saw movie with the best like you said chris rock's not a great actor but his presence and max Minghella and sam jackson and even marissa nichols and like everyone in this just feels like a little like at least one step above the kind of vod style that they went with with through four through seven i don't know i think and, there are um, still some actors in this oh, that are on that it's level bad. <laughs> oh don't get me wrong dude i was still watching it and i go oh, yeah this is still a saw movie this is still definitely a saw movie but the presence of those guys gives it a little like it I hate using the word Eric, but elevates it a little right. bit. Um, and then, like I said about Saw 6 and um, even the first movie to an extent, like I feel like it is at least trying to say something. What it's trying to say about its you know, crooked cops and and even race to a bit and, and, and things like that is very, very thin. Um, I still appreciate that at least it has a thesis that it sticks to and goes, okay, this is – this is what we're going to do. And this is why this person is a copycat of the jigsaw killer. And this is why they are focused on um, 
cops and even the you know the visualiz- visualization of the pig mask and things like that works for the style of you know the game that is happening in this even though it has nothing to do with john kramer and it has nothing to do with the saw movies um much like from the book of saw that this killer is just inspired by you know what john kramer was about and what the jigsaw killer and was what the doing. spiral represents um, that's the other key yeah, thing where the, the yeah. visual aesthetic where we never really went into that in the original like why you know billy the puppet or the spiral or or anything was relevant in that other than that john kramer thought that stuff was cool i don't yeah know. um <laughs> He thought Billy, the, uh, the, the sexy puppet, was great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I kind of just like when you first see that pig mask pop up and there's no Billy, the puppet in the movie. Um, it's just mostly the pig mask. And I think that fits for this style of story and game. And um, and yeah, I just weirdly it's it's weirdly subdued for a Saw movie, especially after watching, you know, the entire franchise where they get so horrifically violent and so focused on those traps and just how gross we can make this or how disgusting we can make this. Like the movie is trying to be clever. It's still trying to do, uh, you know, has a last act twist. It has like all the stuff you'd expect out of a saw movie. Um, but weirdly, even those editing kind of tinges that were so obnoxious in the entire franchise and got more and more obnoxious as you let the editor direct the movie um, where Eric and I were talking earlier where it's like, and it like does those quick cuts and spins and shit like that, where it's like, at least that only happens a few times in this movie, but they are still there. It's a very Um, television thing too. Like it's something that like you'd expect from, you know, like the, the original CSIs, like CSI and CSI Miami has, has some of those kind of like those jarring edits where they just completely kind of throw you for a loop or, or meant to disorient you in some way or another. And that's what it does with, you know, the characters put in sort of the mindset of, of, you know, facing life or death situations. And this it's used more, for sort of an emotional bent from the point of view of, of Chris Rock's character. And that's the other thing as well that I don't think this movie does very well, but it's trying to, and it reminded me of Predator 2, where all of these of ev- the, the heat wave, <laughs> where it's like it's trying to, it's, it's like, you know, there's no air conditioning at the station. It's, 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 you know, after the July 4th weekend, um, it's so hot all the time. People are sweating constantly, but it, it, you don't feel it the way that it shot it it doesn't yeah, it doesn't yeah. add to that like you need to kind of go with more warmer colors and and it just doesn't it doesn't sort of succeed in sort of creating like that kind of like heat wave on edge quality that it's going for yeah and um like you mentioned the movie is mostly it is actually totally from the perspective of you know chris rock's detective character and the police so what I kind of liked about showing the game or the traps is that a lot of the times you wouldn't see them play out in real time. A lot of them, you were getting the aftermath of it. And then, you know, these almost Tiffany, you know, uh, Tiffany, the jewelry company um, boxes are delivered to Chris Rock's character um, with a body part or, or whatever, some sort of thing. And then a, a tape or a USB key in this that says you know, play me. And then they put it play in me the just computer. like, yeah, exactly. And you hear this, the not John Kramer's voice, but just this new voice, this uh, distorted voice. This and if, it, and since yeah. it is, does take place in Toronto, it wouldn't be Tiffany. It would be John Oliver. <laughs> no, we have Tiffany's side. Yeah. The cash man is the, is the killer in this. Um, so anyways, I liked that of that. It plays out more like a procedural and that, it, you know, they integrate the game as this procedural kind of thing that Chris Rock's character has to go through. And again, like I said, it is the commentary on, you know, you know, 
don't be a crooked cop. That's pretty much the extent of the, you know, it's, it's pretty in your face, pretty on your nose and not very deep. Like it's, it's as surface level as it gets. Um, but I almost was like, okay, at least it's not just like, you are a bad person. Let's let's torture you, and like that's kind of what the movies evolved into. So I feel like at least it's trying to go through and focusing on the police in this and having a focused narrative on them actually works for the movie, even though even it is super not, shallow and it's yeah. not as progressive as maybe it thinks it is. Especially when you have, you know, the first scene that introduces Chris Rock's character undercover. You you have yeah. this character talking about, you know, the idea of woke of wokeness in in, in <laughs> yeah, pop yeah. culture right and and i think that that's kind of interesting as well because it's almost saying well like look how pc we've gotten and and not that i'm saying like one way or another that it's good or bad but that's the way we have to be now and it's almost like it's such a weird stance to take when this film again is targeting you know police corruption and and sort of institutional racism and, and systematic sort of um sort of at the systematic level but at the same time, it's kind of sort of making a point to say, well, like, look where we are and like the way that comedians say, well, I can't be funny anymore because, you know, like I, I have to I have to mind my P's and Q's. It's almost the same thing with horror movies where it's like, oh, well, you know, I, I'm still, you know, the, uh, you know, there's a serial killer or a murderer or people are dying, but I still have to be, you know, uh, thoughtful about it or, or what have you. And, and, yeah. and the mention of Tom Hanks within the saw universe kind of tickled me a little bit because it just makes me think that if saw, if, if Tom Hanks was caught in a saw trap, it would be because of, uh, Chet Hanks being brought into existence. Chet Hanks. Yeah. <laughs> White boy summer would be canceled. And then <laughs> anyways, um, yeah. So, I mean, I appreciated for that where, you know, I, I do like the more group in a, house or room kind of puzzle style rather than maybe the puzzle that was happening here. Cause I didn't feel like it was mostly like, Hey, look what I did. It, it was more like the Zodiac killer or someone like that, like delivering, you know, here's a little clue of who I am or, or what, why I'm doing what I'm doing. And, and it was interesting of going, here's a location. Here's why I delivered this package to this location and gives you little bits and pieces. I will say that the traps themselves, I found like, I mean, I guess that is a big thing of of the Saw franchise. Like I, I, the way that they're integrated with who the target is and what the trap is and why they're doing it to that person, I thought was kind of interesting. Um, still very violent, but like I said, weirdly subdued when you watched the whole franchise right before this, where they are so in your face, so violent, so excruciatingly long that like this shows you them either in flashbacks or quick cuts and shows you bits and pieces of them as Chris rocks piecing them together. So I kind of liked that in this because for me, it is more about the game rather than the trap and how you're killing people. Um, so I vibed with that. And like I said, I like, I like most of the people in this, like I liked Chris rock. I liked Max Minghella just seeing Sam Jackson, even though he does everything. It's just like, it just goes, Oh, okay. Like this, they're actual actors in this movie and not that they're great. It's just like, Oh, okay. This it's just wildly superior to those other movies. And then that's maybe why I'm being very generous with my comments, but, like, but also you're looking um, at it from the point of view contextually that you've watched yeah. this entire franchise and you're rating it within the franchise. You're yeah, not necessarily I mean. rating it, comparing it to the Godfather or no, something no, like that. No. You're or like any, yeah, you're saying any movie this year within the, within the saw franchise spiral is a, is a cut <laughs> above because you know, it has uh, a, a better cast, 
a better concept, even if it is very sort of loose, fast Thin, and loose yeah. with it. But with you're looking at it from within that. And I get that. Like, like, that's fine. Because again, you have to look sometimes within the franchise. You can be, you know, outside of the franchise, if you're if you're saying like, oh, does this movie hold up in sort of the pantheon? Oh, of is films? this a good movie? No, no not really. But, but I mean, where like- it comes down in the Saw franchise, this is a masterpiece. This is the Citizen you Kane think- of Saw yeah. movies. And you got to think the people, I'm also looking at it from the people who will seek this out and watch it, which are going to be fans, right? Like you're not just someone who going, oh, new Chris. Well, you might because Chris Rock's in it and Sam Jackson's in it. Like I think you will get people who just go, oh, Chris Rock movie, a new one, and then put it on. And But I don't know. Like I just, as a fan of the franchise or, you know, someone who is up unfortunately a fan of the franchise <laughs> i look at this and i'm just like oh this is pretty good compared to the rest of them and it feels like people were taking it seriously and just not phoning it in like completely like it's not like again they're not trying to make the godfather it's just they kind of know what i do actually they are trying to make something well they're trying to make something better. socially politically aware yeah. within the context of a saw movie and introduce something yes. that you know, again, horror movies have always been great for that kind of stuff where you can take metaphors and allegories to what's going on in the current climate of today or, or yesterday and sort of apply that within, you know, the world, the world. Like it's, it's, it's always about context, right? Like you look at, you know, George A. Romero's Night of the Living Dead. It's all about civil rights within this flesh eating zombie movie, but there's so much more going out and on in the same way that, you know, Jordan Peele's Get Out is also looking at civil yeah. rights from you know a modern perspective and where we are and where we're not in terms of what we much better movie but um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> both night of the living dead and get out are much yeah. better movies oh, totally uh, yeah. but but horror has always been a great place for metaphor i mean even watching yeah. you know david cronenberg's the fly that was a metaphor for the human body dying and at a point where the aids epidemic was at a point people were afraid of what it was they didn't know much about it and so you know it, it opens up a dialogue for people to have. Now, not, I'm not saying that Spiral will be, you know, the film that kind of gets people talking about the social, co- the social political commentary here. No. But you can see what it's trying to do with sort of, you know, police corruption and Black Lives Matter and sort of what's yeah. been going on in the last couple of years. It's taking yeah. that temperature of the world, but it is within the point of view of a Saw movie, so it's hard to so, take seriously yeah. and, and yeah. Or, or give it any real weight. Yeah, totally. And it doesn't earn like it's it it doesn't it's so thin, which we keep saying. So anyways, last kind of things. Um also uh, no spoilers, but like the you're with these movies you go in going, "Okay, there's going to be a third act twist," which is almost it's almost more surprising if they didn't have one now in a Saw movie. So you're the whole time if you've watched all of these, especially after just watching them, you're looking for it and the whole time you're going okay what what is the third act twist going to be and 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 it is very i think obvious in the movie what the third act twist is well especially what we've been talking um, about as well with the idea of how we're shown certain scenes and how they're edited together there's 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 a a dialogue here a language with how the film is structured and when it does something or doesn't do something with how it certain scenes play out you kind of catch on quickly like what's going to happen and then also just casting in general i think yeah yeah so i think that if you're looking for you know a shocking twist i don't think you're necessarily going to get that but um they do try and i mean it's just 
if you like Eric said, if you've watched enough movies and you can understand how you would put something together to try to trick people or throw them off and 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 have a third act twist, you're probably going to see this coming from a mile away, which I don't I don't think really hurts the movie all that much. I'm just like when it happened, I'm like, oh, OK, yeah, that makes sense. And then like, I'm like, that's kind of what I thought where we were going. So um, overall, like I, I again, I, I thought it was um, for a Saw movie pretty solid and um do i need to see more from you know are they going to do another one with chris rock and like continue this spin-off kind of side thing i don't know if you need to like i think they said everything that they needed to really say this um, is a although, one-off this really does yeah, feel I, like a one-off yeah it does. It feels like Chris Rock had an idea. They were like, sweet, Chris Rock's interested in doing a Saw movie. Yeah, we'll do whatever Sorry, you want. Sorry, Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> we're going to have to refuse yeah. your idea and go with Chris yeah. Rock. But I, I, so. I will say this about the film as well, and I tweeted about this, is that watching this movie, I had nostalgia for Toronto because I we have I, – I, I don't know how long – I haven't been in Toronto for over a, a year and a half now, and – yeah, seeing you know Rock and Mangella, you know, go down the TT Bay Street steps into the TTC. Um, I just kind of felt weirdly nostalgic for the TTC and just the idea of Toronto as a city overall. And Toronto is a place that we've been to so many times, but not having been there for a long period there, yeah, and I lived there for five plus years. And so I was just thinking to myself, man, you know, I really weirdly kind of miss taking the TTC somewhere. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Um, there's obvious, there's weird Taroni uh, product placement too, which is just like super, super random because Taroni, there is, I think, a Taroni in, in California. Like they there expanded, is, yeah. but it, I was looking it up um, yesterday, but there's one on Adelaide, right? In Toronto. Well, there's in Queen, Queen Street, Street. Like yeah. there's a, it or it originated in Toronto and it's very much a Toronto thing. Um, but I, it, so I just thought it was weird because he even goes like, your Taroni delivery is here. And I'm like, what weird product placement for a, a restaurant chain that has like f- four or five locations, one of them in the US or, or maybe a couple in California. But like, I'm wondering if it was like Taroni catered the movie and they were like, you just have to put us in the movie. Right. Or, <laughs> or like- maybe somebody on the cast and crew is a, a fan of a them fan, because yeah, Samuel Jackson does love Toronto. He's a huge Toronto Raptors fan. And like anytime yeah. he comes here, he always like, you know, catches games and stuff like that. So I could see him, you know, knowing sort of the restaurants and sort of the places to go. Right. Where like, maybe he's the guy that suggested that or something like that. I don't know, but, but yeah, it, yeah, or, it, it is strange. I mean, they shot every movie in Toronto. So maybe it was just like a nice little nod to, um, <laughs> it was either that or like, square boys. <laughs> like Taroni is like, it's, it's in Toronto, like pretty huge. There's Sidforno too. And they have, yeah, they have, uh, Sidforno, they have, couple locations in toronto and a couple in los angeles i think as well so um or just one in west hollywood maybe but anyways i just thought that was super weird um uh you know charlie uh charlie clauser comes back as the composer the music sounds pretty much as you you know you still get all the uh the classic uh the classic, the classic needle drops um what, what you'd expect and again it, it kind of tickles me that it's like Max Minghella, the son of Anthony Minghella, um, the director of The English Patient, his son is in a Saw movie. <laughs> but then again, he he wrote um, that horrible uh, The Ninth Life of Louis Drax that uh, Alexander Aja uh, directed. So I think he does have a bit of an affinity for um, 
B movies, horror films, um, which right. I think is funny. But yeah, like this, in some ways, it very much is a Saw film, but it it also is a cut above within the series. It, it just feels like it that weird anomaly. It also doesn't feel like it's part of the series. Yeah, yeah. it's like that like, weird movie. You could have made you go and watch, and you're like, oh yeah, like this is. It's like Duck Duck Goose. It's like Duck Duck Duck. Uh, whoa goose okay this is bizarre and then yeah. you move on again like i could see if if they do do another one which they probably will at some point i don't know if it'll it'll happen within like the next year or so but i could see them kind of going back to the the regular formula and or even going more zany or where they do add a supernatural element or they go in space because like at this point i feel the mm-hmm. saw franchise needs to continue to kind of quote unquote up the ante and that's and at this point, who cares? Yeah. Just get as ridiculous as you They're want. They're dumb movies. Like, you don't need um, to really bring in logic to the, the conversation. Yeah, I agree. I don't think they'll continue this, but I think you could if this is successful enough, which it seems like it's doing okay. Like, um, the, again, they're not very expensive movies. Um, you could keep doing from the book of Saw as the spinoff side thing, and then you do your mainline franchise where you can c- continue the story of Tobin Bell and John Kramer. Um, now, I have a question for you, and 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 you yeah. you know, having watched all of these films, um, first, were you burnt out by the series after or before getting to Spiral, and then also looking at this script narratively speaking, do you think? Maybe it would have been a better film or at least more interesting if it was from the point of view of the killer, because it almost is it is very sympathetic towards the the action. I mean, not necessarily the actions, but the idea of what this this person is doing or who this person is targeting. You you don't feel as bad for the victims, even though the victims in these movies have done maybe something horrible, but you kind of do feel like, okay, well, this is morally wrong no, no matter what. But with cops, it's like it there's almost this heightened sense of, okay, well, you, you know, I don't feel as bad for these people. Yeah, I guess in the other movies, a lot of the people that he that John Kramer's jigsaw was trapping, like um, a lot of them were horrible people, but some of them were just troubled people, right? Drug addicts, different people who did fucked up things because of uh, different stuff. Like in this, everyone is objectively a bad person (laughs) that um, is is put into these traps. And I mean, I guess the perspective of Jigsaw, he's and the best villains in, in history. And I'm not saying jigsaw is one of them, but like uh, you need to believe in their cause or you need to like, again, like Thanos, we talk about in, in, you know, Marvel or the best bad guys is like the people who you can believe in their cause and understand why they're doing what they're doing. Or they think that they are the good guy in their story. Right. Like if you put it from their perspective and I see what you're saying here of like, this person thinks that they are the, doing you know a good thing quote unquote even though what they're doing is you know horrific um and i think that makes for the best villains and i'm not saying that the person in this movie or even jigsaw is the best villain but like yeah i think because the the saw movies have always tried to you know rely on twists and turns and the mystery and the game part of it that um i don't know how you do it the other way without it you know, sort of taking the element be, of surprise yeah. out of the, the, the yeah. equation. I know I Even agree if with I that, just, but yeah. I think that it would have been more interesting to see it from the point of view this time around of you know the 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 new jigsaw, the the copycat killer, because I think you you do weirdly 
root for him once you know what you know these victims are being yeah. sort of put on trial for in these traps and yeah. when you're in those situations you don't really care as much about them other than it's it's just horrific to see anybody be torn to shreds in any which way but but again like it kind of feels almost like it would have been more interesting that way where like you're getting again sort of the framing of a police procedural like seven where you get you know the investigator the detective kind of working the case and having to kind of put things together but he always seems to be one step behind or you know there's a red herring in terms of who might be the killer um and it just kind of feels like even though yeah it's it's not as grotesque and gruesome there still is a conventional quality to the writing of this script where it's just like okay well we're still kind of playing a you know a cat and mouse game within the context of you know a police story yeah. And I guess after the reveal at the end of the first movie, you kind of do get that because the rest of them, at least two and three are sort of from John Kramer's perspective. And like, it always involves police officers, which is, um, I think where, you know, obviously playing onto that into this as well. But yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I, I think it, yeah, this does go that more conventional route. And I, I, I think they could have done more in doing something completely different where this just feels to me like they're like oh okay is let's let's just lease this even though it is darren lynn bowsman it's everyone who was involved in the other ones but like almost just like leasing your the brand name to someone else to make something and then that's kind of what you get and it's just i I agree with you that it feels like an offshoot and uh i would have liked it i i just don't know if you i think you have to be more clever than that way to make a mystery or make some sort of twist and i don't even think these movies need that but just like m night Shyamalan, you did it so often that people are expecting it and if you don't give them that then they go what the fuck but even if (laughs) you give them that and they don't find it satisfying or at least sort of tickled by what the twist is they're also disappointed it's like an it's like it's a no i must say i like your use of tickled in this episode you've used it two or three times. Uh, well, I, 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 so. I enjoy using tickled when I talk about jigsaw. It's just one of those things yeah. where, um, you know, but, but, I, but I do think that there, I agree with you. There's an expectation that's been created for this franchise. Like, as you mentioned with M night Shyamalan sort of, you know, okay, well, well, what's the twist here? What's, what am I sort of anticipating? And you're kind of, as you're watching this, not this movie in particular, but like watching one of these movies sort of always thinking about that while you're watching and you're not necessarily, you know, enjoying it as much it's as weirdly you're to distracting. Break it. Yeah, it really you're, you're breaking it like, down, right? Like you're trying yeah. to be like, okay, you're overthinking it. It's it's almost. it's the it's the classic whodunit kind of thing, where like through the whole movie, through through the whole mystery, you're trying to be like, okay, is this the killer? Is this the killer? You know, like did did this have anything to do with that? And sometimes you know you're 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 diving too deep. Sometimes it's easy to kind of know who it is based on casting. It, it just it's. It's one of those things when you're watching these movies, I feel that audiences are more cognizant of what's going on um, when even if they aren't, if they aren't that, you know, these movies aren't that smart, which they're not. Yeah. They're going, okay, well, like I know the, the, the formula and I know that at some point there's going to be a reveal that somebody close was involved involved. or this, it was in front of your face the whole time or, you know, whatever the kid being in the safe right beside detective Matthews in the second one, like 
Yeah, I, and I'm watching Mayor of Easttown right now, which I know you are as well, and that has a murder mystery in it as well. And it is it becomes both fun. I think in a television format, it, it, it almost works better because you have week to week and you can kind of like speculate and talk to people about it. Where in a movie, it becomes kind of distracting to the point of that's all I'm thinking about. Because I want the movie to have a, a gotcha moment and I want it to outsmart me. But a lot of the times in the Saw movies by, you know, the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth one, uh, you kind of... You've, if you've watched them all, especially recently, you kind of go, okay, like even from the editing or like you said, casting or, or red herrings that you know that they're throwing at you and you're just, you can kind of piece it together and, or it becomes so distracting that that's all you're thinking of while you're watching it, um, of going, is this movie going to be able to get me? And I, I, and I then want you it to get me, the but clues I also, that are there in front of yeah. you because you're thinking about yeah. it too much and you're not actually watching the movie as the narrative goes on. And again, you're not like, this isn't a film that you need to really like invest so much time because it's such a, you know, intricate puzzle. It's just that no. when you're watching one of these movies, that's what you're now aware of when it comes to right. the twist. And- yeah, and then in something like Mayor of Easttown, I find it kind of fun because in a pulpy nature, they kind of know what it is, even though it is have some really heavy, like emotional moments. But like all the red herrings that they throw in there in that kind of classic TV format is like one episode they're leading you towards this person, and then there's a moment in the next episode that goes, ah, ah, ah wasn't that motherfucker? It's this person, and then it's like, oh, it wasn't that person. It's this person, and then like they throw all this stuff at you that it makes it kind of fun. And and the Saw movies, I think because that first movie i really do genuinely think it caught a lot of people off guard and then um uh are you still there yeah i'm still here oh weird it said lost connection did that pop up on your end yeah it did or no weird hopefully this all works who knows we're having some trouble with zencaster lately everyone so i'm hoping this all works fine (laughs) (laughs) um Anyways, uh, that being all said, uh, lost my train of thought. But um, as a Saw movie, and if you're a fan of the this franchise, I could see it going one of two ways. You're either going to watch this and go, this isn't really, it is a Saw movie, but feels like this weird offshoot. So you might not care about it because of that. Or you're going to be a fan and you're going to go, oh my God, this is like, it's still not great. But for a Saw movie, this thing is incredible. So like, um I'm I'm a weird trash boy and I'm going to give this a three and a half just because like, again, comparing it to the the other ones that I just watched, um, it, it is leaps and bounds better than most of them. I think it's probably for me the third best Saw movie. I enjoy one and two more just because, again, it's part of that, you know, canon or whatever the fuck you want to talk about at the saw cinematic universe now but like um the first two movies as like a part one and part two i really really enjoy um even three to an extent but i still think spiral and jigsaw are better movies than three um but yeah i don't know it's not a great movie but if you like this franchise and if you're listening to this or you you're going to see this movie i think you're not going to be disappointed you're just going to be like oh okay, that was better than I thought it was going to be or something. I don't know. Yeah, I'm going to give it a two and a half out of five. That's high praise for me. That's generous. Yes, that is very generous. You know, for Eric in a Saw movie, that is basically a five out of five. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, (laughs) congratulations. (laughs) (laughs) But it is also kind of funny to me. Like, I was reading an interview with Darren Lynn Bozeman um, 
recently and he was saying like he kind of he, he had a movie that he released last year with with maggie q but for the most part he's been sort of focused on virtual reality and sort of vr-esque scenarios and it's almost kind of telling that like that's where his career went because i know that he wanted to make repo uh the genetic opera something special and like that is a flaming garbage uh can of of horror like that like like you will want the saw movies after you watch that film that's how bad it is fair man um thank you all for listening to this almost one hour long review of spiral from the book of saw uh, i approve we really do appreciate it uh if you like this we have some more reviews that we would love for you guys to check out right here on this channel um if you haven't checked them out we have reviews up right now for cruella um we have reviews when are we going to get the jigsaw origin story where his parents were killed by a puppet or something yeah. like that <laughs> a young john um, kramer yeah yeah um, we have a review for the third season of Master of None, uh, Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead, uh, Those Who Wish Me Dead, um, The Woman in the Window, uh, Profile, Oxygen, Wrath of Man. Many reviews o- over on the channel, so go check those out. Our latest draft, the 92nd draft, is over on the Untitled Movie Podcast channel. Uh, that's our flagship show where Eric and I, for two plus hours, usually talk about whatever's going on in the internet entertainment industry our last episode we talked about uh amazon purchasing mgm we were a little bit ahead of the curve there because we were uh, reporting on the rumor and then it ended up happening happening the next day so uh get our thoughts on that as well as a a real-time reaction to the last night in soho trailer and eternals and different things like that so go check out uh the 90 second draft over on the untitled movie podcast uh drop us a review if you would be so kind follow us on all of those social medias at untitled underscore cast check out our letterboxed hq at untitled podcast that's going to be our hub for all our reviews our drafts our social links um you know lists that eric and i do maybe we'll put up our saw rankings eric will rank them he'll rewatch all of They'll them they'll all be at and eight rank and them. then saw will, or, and then spiral <laughs> will be number one <laughs> i love it i love it um we just put up our Zack Snyder um, uh, rankings of his films, so you guys can go check out those there. And I'm going to put up more lists based on you know whatever's coming out. Maybe Eric and I will rank different franchises. Yeah, the Conjuring movies, things like like that. Yeah, stuff like that. So we'll throw those lists up there as well, Um, and all of our top films of the year and things like that. I think that's it. Um, if you uh, uh, you can follow more of my work around the internet <laughs> at untitledmoviepodcast.com and you can follow me on all those social medias at Matt Rohrbeck. And I'm Eric March and you can find more of my video reviews at rogerstv.com slash cinemascene and on the social medias at EM6211. Until next Feeling time. a little parched. I think uh, I need a glass of Tobin Be- Bell's uh, classic wine to tickle my fancy. God damn it. <laughs>